0: I, you know, it's great to be in worship with everybody. I'm really excited that it's nice and warm outside today. Uh, I don't know if you are, but I definitely am. Uh, But to be here, to receive communion together and be part of the family, uh, to hear from one of our global outreach partners from Scott and Diana, who our church has partnered with for many years, is uh, is a great thing. Uh, And so now we get a chance to open up God's Word together. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, we've We've been in this sermon series that we're calling the story of Scripture. And what we're saying in this sermon series is that the Bible is 66 books, 1,189 chapters, and one story. And then we we're going to summarize that story, that the story of Scripture is God with us so that we can be with Him. That's the story of Scripture. God with us so that we can be with Him. God says over and over in the Bible, You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will be with you, so that you can be with me. And we were walking through this, and um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but it's something that happened to me yesterday. You ever feel like life is going along great, and then something happens that just changes it in 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 a moment? For some reason, I'm an assistant coach on my son Jackson's soccer team. I'm not sure why. I know nothing about soccer. Uh, I know very little about what people are supposed to do. I can yell hustle, and I can yell get the ball. That's about all that I know. Uh, I, I know very little, but somehow I have become an assistant coach on my son's U10 soccer team. And even more amazingly, Uh, with this team is we have a a good head coach. My brother-in-law, Mike, is the other assistant coach right there. So between Mike and I, uh, we have absolutely zero soccer knowledge, but we have a head coach who kind of knows what's going on. And something amazing happened because we're the, there's 10 U10 teams in our town. We are number 10, all right? We're the last one. And they have, we have some second graders that are playing uh, up a level, and then we have all the kids that didn't make try, couldn't make the tryouts in the fall, so they didn't really know how good they were. But here's what happened to us. Uh, What happened to us is we got some kids on our team. The second graders that are playing up are pretty good, and then we got a couple other kids that missed the fall tryouts that are stinking phenomenal at soccer, all right? And so our team, the first four games, we were cruising, I mean, we, we drove into Everett and just took them down four weeks ago, all right? And then one by one, all the towns, they were coming through with their U10 teams, and we were, we were annihilating them on the field. But I'll tell you what we didn't see happening. Everything was rolling. Everything was working great. You know what we didn't see happening? We didn't see Waltham coming, all right? And yesterday, yesterday we rolled into Waltham, and uh, Waltham brought some humility, uh, to our team yesterday. It was a tight game. We lost one nothing, but I mean, we, everything was rolling, everything was rolling, and then you hit something like that. I, I don't know, does that happen to you in life? I mean, it happens to me. I mean, on, in serious things, where everything finally seems like it's moving in a good direction. We're finally figuring out our family. We're finally figuring out our schedule. We're finally figuring out our finances. Something, it, it's going along, and then something happens, and it just kind of stops you in your tracks. It makes you wonder what in the world is going on. I feel like as we walk through this story of Scripture, uh, this is this is a little bit how the 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 narrative's going to go today. One of the first things they teach you in in um, preaching classes is is don't bite off more than a congregation can handle in a single sermon. And I've really taken that to heart which is why today we're only going to cover 1,000 years of human history, okay? That's it. So it'll be real easy to take that in and follow it. And good news, we've got like less than 25 minutes left in the entire service, so we're going to have to move, all right? The story starts out, and you saw this. We, if you've been with us, you, you've seen this. That the story starts out in the beginning of the book of Gen- Genesis. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, we get answers to some of life's most important questions, like where did we come from, and why do we have value? Well, because you're created in God's image, and what is our purpose in this world? We're to tend the earth that God has, has, uh, has given us, and to be fruitful and multiply. And then we hit Genesis 3, and we start to see that there is where pain comes from, that the brokenness that we experience in this world, the pain that we experience is a direct result of the reality of sin in this world. That God said, go one way. And all of human history has gone the opposite direction. And whatever brokenness, whatever pain we experience is a direct result of that happening. And then, is there hope? And we see it right in the beginning in the book of, in Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 5, there's a spot we see it, that yes, there is hope. And soon after, in Genesis 12 and beyond, we discover that the solution to a broken world is a covenant God, and we talked about this the last couple of weeks, so we don't use that word often, covenant, in our world, but covenant is this binding relationship with the perfect blend of law and love, and we said this, and I want to keep, keep coming back to this, that oftentimes in, in church world, especially the, like the evangelical church world, we talk about God wants a personal relationship with you, and he does want a personal relationship with you, but it's even more than that, God wants a covenantal relationship with you, where we are bound together. He is our God, and we are His people. One of the things that covenant does, and this is what Andrew shared with us last week, is that covenant charts the path to holiness, but we drift off that path and when God gives a covenant especially through Moses the Ten Commandments all the laws when God gives a covenant he says if you want to live the way that I think my people should live or the way that I am if you want to be holy as I am holy this is what you should do but God charts the path to holiness for us and we can't help it we're sinful we're broken we drift and we saw in the life of David we saw David drift big time but David is, a, is, is one example of many for us of what it takes to actually get back on course. There's really only one thing we can do to get back on course when we drift from what God calls us to. And it's not try harder. And it's not fix your schedule and Google life hacks and get your act together. It's repent. To come before God and say, God, I have sinned. I have gone my own way. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness, and God is the one who brings us back on track. As we've been talking through this story, we've we've looked at how the Bible is organized, and I've given these these phrases, and we've clapped it out over and over: five, twelve, five, five, twelve, four, one, twenty-one, one. If you've been with us, five, twelve, five, five, twelve, four, one, twenty-one, one. My dream. My dream is that, is that you've been washing the dishes or something, or you've been mowing your lawn over the last couple of weeks, and out of nowhere, as you're just walking around, you find yourself going, 5, 12, 5, 5, 12, 4, 1, 21, 1. I don't know if that's happened to anyone, but my hope is by the end of this series, that's happening regularly, because this is how the Bible is laid out. Five books of law, 12 books of history, five books of poetry, five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. Four Gospels talking about the life of Jesus, one book on church history, 21 letters to the church and the early Christians, and then one book of prophecy, things that have yet to happen, and that is the book of of Revelation. Today we're talking mostly about 12 historical books, the five major prophets, and and the 12 minor prophets. And what I want to remind you of is I think those terms major and minor sometimes can be a little bit uh, misleading because it sounds like one, five are important and 12 are less important. But that's not really what that means. It doesn't have anything to do with their importance. It has nothing to do with what musical key they're written in. It has everything to do with uh, their length. The major prophets are longer than the minor prophets. That's it. But their messages are absolutely important and So we're going to get into that today, and we're going to do it way too quickly. But hopefully we get this broad overview. It's the whole goal in this this series. Scripture tells us one story how you watch these I know I know you're good godly people so you don't do this but other people do this right you get on Netflix and you start streaming a show and then you end up watching like 45 episodes in a row I know I know know you would never fall to that Uh, but with these with these shows that stream you have episodes with individual stories but the series has one overarching narrative that carries through from season to season and episode to episode and that's kind of how scripture is that you have these, other, these episodes and these stories throughout the scriptures, but you have one overarching narrative that goes over the entire thing, and that's what we've been talking about. Here's the challenge with that overarching narrative in the individual episodes. And I feel it, and you feel it, and certainly the people of God felt it, is that often when you follow God, it can feel like there's more losses than wins. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But sometimes when you, fe- when you start to follow God, uh, I, if you're like me, you think, all right, well, once I follow God, it's just win after win after win after win. And then things happen in life where life gets really challenging, really hard. God goes quiet. And sometimes that could be a really hard thing to deal with, that that God, you, you feel like it's supposed to be win after win, but sometimes when you're following God, it feels like there's more losses than wins. And when I look at, at the 12 books of history, that's what I feel for the people of God, for the Israelites. You have, uh, at, the, at the beginning of, of where we are in the story, you have David. And David is in about 1000 BC, right, give or take. David is, David has this this covenant that God gives him. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 7, another covenant. And Daniel comes, or sorry, David comes to God and says, God, I want to build you a house, all right? It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. And God says, no, you're not going to build me a house, but I'm going to build a kingdom through you. And your kingdom will never end. And so you have this great this great covenant that god makes with david but even though god tells david i'm going to build a kingdom through you that never ends the thing that starts to happen is that david's kingdom the way it looks begins to break down very quickly because from david you have his son does anyone know the name of david's son that takes over oh you know it you're just scared to say it someone say it solomon right so if solomon takes over after david and he gets to build the temple. Now, I don't know if you know what happens after Solomon, but you could read about it in 1 Kings chapter 12 if you'd like to get this. This is hard to understand, Uh, but there's a nation that has a king that's taxing the people too heavily, and the people come to that king and they say, stop taxing us too heavily or we're going to make our own nation, and the king says, I don't care. I'm going to continue to tax you, and so they go and make their own nation. I don't know if you've ever heard that narrative before, but it happens here with the people of Israel and God's people. And so with Rehoboam, Solomon's son, he's taxing the people like crazy. They don't like it. So the kingdom splits. And up here, you have the kingdom of Israel. It's called the northern kingdom in your Bible. And down here, you have the kingdom of Judah. And let me tell you something. God makes this promise to David here in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Your kingdom is going to last forever forever. But it falls apart quickly. And if you start reading through all of these books, if you get into First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, and then First and Second Chronicles, uh, and repeat some things and add some new things. If you start reading through these books, you're going to find some wins, but you're going to find what looks like a lot of losses. <laughs> Israel has the Northern Kingdom has has king after king after king after king after king after king. Scripture makes it clear that there was exactly zero kings that were good kings that did what God wanted. There was, there was one, you had one king that was like, you know, plus or minus, was okay. But no good ones. Down here in the southern kingdom, you had four kings that were that were good. You had four kings that were you know they were they were all right, they, they, so so. But you have eleven kings plus one queen that are they're no good. And over and over again throughout these books, you have what should be this eternal kingdom developing that that David's reign is going to be fantastic and awesome and. When you look at this, and I I don't know about you. Sometimes I wonder as I look at the world and I try to live out what it means to be a Christian in this world. And I don't know how to deal with the, the messiness sometimes. It seems like maybe we should be winning more. If God is who he says he is. Over here, after all these terrible kings, the northern kingdom in in 722, about B.C., goes into exile under the Assyrians. And then Judah over here, like 586 B.C., goes into exile under the Babylonians. So now David's kingdom, a kingdom that's supposed to be eternal and last forever, is not only split, all of his descendants and God's people are now under the control of foreign, terrible rulers. And the question is, where is God in the midst of all of this? And you may be wondering yourself, why do we have to talk about this you're saying, like, pastor, this isn't my thing. Well, I want to come into church. I want, I want a, a pastor to give me a few nice things that I can, I can feel better about myself and then be on our way. Why would we talk about this? The reason we need to talk about this is because when you understand how God operates through history, you understand things about God. History, godly history, is theology. It helps you understand who God is and how he works and how he works in your life when you feel like you're caught in this sort of space where things are, you're accumulating more losses than wins. If I was to tell you 10 stories of how I interact with my children, you would learn a lot about me. I wouldn't have to tell you who I am and what I do. I'll just tell you a couple stories. I told you a story about how I read my daughter's Bible to her. You learned something about me, whether you liked it or not. When we look at how God acts with his people throughout history, we learn things about him. We learn who he is. What do you do? What do you do when you're caught in spaces like this where it feels like if God's real and you should be building a kingdom? not losing it. God sends messengers throughout this whole time. This is the five and the twelve. The five major prophets and the five minor prophets. God sends messengers throughout this time. And the messengers start to speak to the people and to the northern kingdom, there's, there's Amos and there's Hosea in the northern kingdom. And then in the southern kingdom, before the exile, well, there's, I I think, I think Joel is here. That's, that's a, that's one that's tough to date. But there's Joel, and then down here there's Habakkuk, right? And there's four of, four prophets that come here. There's a couple prophets that speak of the twelve that speak to other kingdoms, right? Jonah and Nahum speak to Nineveh, Obadiah speaks to Edom, they're outside of this picture, But God sends these prophets to speak to his people. And he speaks here. Zephaniah is in here, and so is Micah. Don't necessarily take those in actual order, but that's the prophets that are speaking to these two kingdoms. And the prophets come, and they have a message for the people. The prophets are the ones who call the people back to God and point them forward to the work that God is going to do when the people are caught in this where they're accumulating losses and they're not really sure who they is under God it's the prophets that come and they say they say to the people you need to come back to God and in fact if you can sum up all the prophets messages in one word repent repent and just like we said last week with repentance being the only thing that can get us back on track with God, the prophets come in and they said, you have lost your way, people. Repent and come back to God. And then they point them forward because God's work is not done. What should you do in your life when you feel like you're accumulating more losses than wins with God? This is what I want you to do. Allow these Old Testament prophets, the five major prophets and the 12 minor prophets, allow them to call you back to repentance and point you forward to redemption. That's what they did for the people through this whole time. Come back to God and pay attention to what God is going to do. Let me show you one example of what this looked like. At the beginning of the book of Isaiah, Here, uh, underneath here, as the people are getting ready for exile... And going into exile with the Babylonians, you have those major prophets. You have Isaiah coming in here, and Jeremiah with Lamentations. He writes that too. Ezekiel happens during the exile. Daniel happens during the Babylonian exile. Those five major prophets. And Isaiah comes in to the people. And he comes in with this message. Come back to God and look forward to what God's going to do. Wash yourselves, he says in 1st chapter of Isaiah. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together. We just sang about this in worship. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red like crimson. They shall become like wool. Listen to these verses. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will, shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Over and over, this is what the prophets do. The people lose their way. They're accumulating more losses than wins. And the prophets say, come and they say, listen, you need to come back and repent. And pay attention that God's going to do something new. In the midst of all of this, all of this mess, I told you at the beginning of this series, if, if, you've, if you were here, that we were going to look at four covenants that happened after Genesis chapter 11. There's the one with Abraham. There's the one with Moses. There's the one with David right here. Then there's the new covenant. In the midst of all of this, when things are looking bleak and Babylon's about to come in, the prophet Jeremiah comes. And he tells the people in Jeremiah chapter 29 that because of their sin, exile's coming. You know Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Many people, you got to, we got tattoos and we got to crochet it into pillows. It's a great, it's great verse. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's a great verse. We just sometimes forget that the plans are Babylonian exile, right? So people come to me and say, God gave me this verse, uh, a hope and a future. He has plans for me. I say, whoop, uh-oh. Maybe you have some exile coming. Maybe it's going to get harder before it gets better. That's what that verse is about. And in chapter 31, just two chapters later, God calls to the people in the midst of all of this mess. And he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In the midst of all of this, God says, listen, I know this is a mess, but I'm still at work. And I'm going to create a new covenant with you. And when we came to communion this morning, we were talking about Jesus. And we said that Jesus was at a meal with his disciples. And during that meal, he took the cup. Or after that meal, he took the cup. And he held it up. And what did he say? He said, this cup is, not represents, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And all the ears of the Jewish people that were in that room that could hear him went right to Jeremiah 31. This is the new deal that God was making with his people. This is the new covenant coming. This is God's plan, even in the middle of the mess. Listen, I'm supposed to get all the way through the 400 years of silence, but it ain't going to happen today, all right? And that's okay. I'm going to stop here. Because some of you feel like you're here. Where it's all exile. And you feel like you had a promise from God... That God was going to do something great in your life and that God was going to move in your life? But ever since that moment, and you said, yeah, I'm on board, and you were like David and said, and said, no, 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 I'm going to do a lot of great things for you, God. And God came back to you and said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm less worried about the house you're going to build me. I'm much more worried, David, about the house I want to build through you and the kingdom I want to build through you. And you had that moment with the Lord and you had that moment where you said, okay, I'm in. And you did whatever you, had, you did, you came down to the altar, you signed the card, you said the prayer, whatever it is that you did, that you were in, that God was going to do some amazing work in your life, and what has happened is, is that it's just gotten really, really messy. And it feels like you're accumulating more losses than wins in your personal life, and you look at the world around us, and it feels like, like God's people are accumulating more losses than wins. And you're wondering what in the world is going on? Where is God in the midst of all of this? So, I want you this week to get back into those books in the Old Testament. Get back into those five major prophets the Isaiahs, the Jeremiahs, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Get into those 12 minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Get into those books and let God speak to you. Let them call you back to repentance in God. Let them call you back to relationship with God. And let them point you forward to the work that God is going to do. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we, as we close this morning. I don't know, Andrew, if you can help me just set this down here for a second. For me, I'll never forget the moment that God spoke to me through one of his prophets. I was 16 years old, and I was sitting at a table at a retreat center in Aurora, Nebraska, all right? I don't have to explain the retreat center to you. I don't have to describe it to you because likely you've all been there before, so we all know of this place, right? Sitting at this picnic table at this retreat center in Aurora, Nebraska, and the pastor that was there He told us we were going to read from the book of Habakkuk. I had never heard of the book of Habakkuk before. I didn't know where the book of Habakkuk was. I had to go to the table of contents and try to find this book somewhere in my Bible. And when I found it, I flipped to it. It's only two pages. And it's one of those those 12 minor prophets, this book. And it's one of those books that is written right before that southern kingdom goes into exile under the Babylonians. That they come in and take everything over. Prophets calling out to God in the first few verses of that book. If you're looking for some verses in the Bible that you can relate to, read the first few verses of the book of Habakkuk. He says, God, your people have abandoned abandoned you, and you do nothing. I cry out violence to you. And all the bad things that are happening around in this world, and you do nothing. You're silent. And he comes and he lays that all out before the Lord. And I remember reading those verses at that day and thinking to myself, that's exactly how I feel because I've been around church for a long time. I've never really felt anything of God. I've never really experienced anything of God. I've never really had any of these moments that everybody talks about. And when I look at the world, it seems pretty messed up to me. And I'm not sure how all of this can be true at the exact same time. And I'll never forget what happened next. I read the fifth verse of that first chapter of that book, and for the very first time in my life, God spoke to me. In that verse, God says to Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be amazed. For I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if I were to tell you. And I remember God spoke to me and he said, listen. If you give me your life, I'll do more with it than anything you could ever possibly do on your own. And if you trust me, even through the, myth, through the messiness and through the silence, I'll remind you That in the end, I win. That was it for me. From that moment on, in spite of the messiness of this world and the challenges that we face, I've known that God is who he says he is, and that he is going to do his work. So I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe walking in here this morning, you needed to be reminded that God is who he says he is, and that God's work is not done. And in spite of the messiness in this world, that God's still moving, and that God's still calling people to himself, even in incredibly difficult places like we heard of, we heard this morning from Scott, that God is still at work, and that God is moving, and that God is saving, and that he's doing great things things, even in the midst of the mess. And this morning, you need to be called back to God. pointed forward to all He's going to do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? God, we thank you for the way that you're at work among us. God, and I admit to you that sometimes we forget who you are and how you call us to live in the midst of a messy and broken world. And God, this morning we come to you and say, we are sorry. We are sorry for the ways that our sin has contributed to the brokenness. We repent from the ways that we have gone away from you. Thank you, Lord, that you call us back. Thank you that like your your prophet says, that though our sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. God, thank you for the new covenant and relationship that we have with you through Jesus Christ, where our sins once and for all are forgiven and redeemed and that we are made whole. Fill us with hope. Remind us of the work that you have yet to do. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Would you stand and let's worship our God together.